Welcome to the Search for Authentic Faith, the weekly podcast that explores the mystery and the majesty of faith and the impact it has on our lives. I am your host, Pastor Dennis Brown, and I want to thank you for joining us. In the weeks to come, we will often speak of things like the life of faith or a walk of faith, and we'll deal with the issues of the world around us and relate them to how they are affected by real living faith. But in this first session, we need to actually start at the very beginning. We need to define what faith means so we're all on the same page. The truth is, faith is one of those words that's rather vague in some ways. If you ask the average person on the street what faith is, they'll rely on words like belief or believing, and beyond that, they really are somewhat vague. They don't know what faith really is. Now, you can turn to the dictionary. Dictionary will speak of things like People have faith in other people. They speak of confidence or trust. You have somebody in your family or somebody in your neighborhood or among your friends that you would say, I have faith in them. Or maybe some leader that you are aware of, you say, I have faith in him or her. And that means that you're confident, that you can trust that person. Other definitions in the dictionary will say things about doctrines or religions Here's one that I listed so we could use it today. The belief or faith is the doctrines of a religion. And then it goes on to say, quote, based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Now, apprehension may mean a lot of things. It does, in general, can mean understanding or grasping of a concept. It can even mean things like I'm fearful and I'm full of some anxiety. I'm afraid something unpleasant or bad's going to happen. But whatever it means... In the dictionary, the contrast here is that which is spiritually perceived without proof. So faith, apparently in this particular author's mind, is only a figment of somebody's imagination. Then, of course, every dictionary has to add something more or less like this, strong belief in God. Usually they don't comment on that when that just stands alone and no more is said. Now, I want to add one more feature to the general understanding of faith that is usually not in the dictionary, but I think we need to address it because faith or belief comes to us in many, many ways. And the truth is we all have certain things we believe. We've believed them since we were children, since we were raised in schools and in our neighborhoods, in our communities. That is our worldview. Our worldview tells us, for example, what's going on in the world, what's happening, how it operates, how it functions in the universe. And so we gain from that a lot of things like our core values. We defend certain things. For example, in our Western worldview, like the one I share here in my community and in this country, we believe in individualism. We value that. We even applaud it. So we have uh, stories or movies about some cowboy in the old days. He would uh, come in and save the town and and, uh, save the mayor's daughter, and she'd like to marry him, but instead the last thing you see is this man riding away and his horse 
by himself back out into the lonely desert because he's a real man. He can stand on his own, living alone independently. He can exist without all that stuff. Independence is something that we have valued. Now, there are a lot of cultures who would look at that as cough. They think that strength is found in the, in the group, in the community. And so that's a nature, that's one of the things about our worldview, my worldview, that I would defend at least as long as I believe is biblical. But we, we do have core values and we defend them, we act on them. We behave in accordance with those values. That's what our worldview does. All of us have a worldview. Every one of us has a way of looking at the way the world operates and the universe functions. As a result, those are things we believe. They are part of a version of our faith, the things we believe in. We don't often call that faith, but that's in effect what it is. Now, if you want to ask Christians what faith is, you may get a little different answer. But many Christians, many people in the church, would probably respond much like the average guy on the street. They may simply fall back on the more vague response about faith when they say, well, it's believing something or it's something we believe. Uh, now, if someone's been in the church for some time and become uh, used to Scripture, they're familiar with the passage in Hebrews 11.1 1, that is often used as the definition for faith. Faith is a substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things that we cannot see. Now, that's one way to define something. It tells us what it does. We define a lot of things that way. You can look at me and say, well, what is that gadget that you're holding? And I would say, oh, it does this. This is how it works. And that is one way to define something. But beyond what it does, I want to ask the question, what is this thing called faith? Now, to answer that question, I'm going to take us back to the beginning, literally at the beginning, the creation story. A number of years ago, I was recycling my reading habits back. I started over in Genesis. And whenever I do that, I find myself just wanting to sit back and almost close my eyes and try to imagine, uh, if I could, being there. I hear God say, let there be, and all of a sudden there's light or there's something else. And, and, and as hard as I imagine, I really can't grasp that, but I ponder that more often than not. But the truth is, we need to move on past that because the culmination of the creation story takes place when something different happens. We read that God picks up the dust of the earth he just made, that picks up the clay, and he fashions this form. It's lifeless. And then there's a little crescendo starts in the creation story. And the first thing that happens is God breathes into this form, this lifeless form, life. And this lifeless form comes to life. He is now animate. He has a name. He's given a name called Adam. And in that moment when he received the breath of God to bring him to life, something else has happened as well. Because in that act, God has chosen to share something of himself in a very unique way. He brings this man to life, and in that man's life, there is the nature of God himself. The Creator's very nature and very likeness now is shared with this being, not any other being, 
not any angels or not any of the seraphims or any other creature that's ever been created. Fact is, this man is totally unique. He is someone who has the capacity to relate to God, to have an ongoing relationship with him, to be heartbeat to heartbeat, to understand him and to, and to be intimate with him as a friend is a, to a friend. And so this event is pretty spectacular. Now, I want to add something here. This is not a God that woke up at some point and say, oh, I think I would like to create a world and uh, I'll have to put me a man in it to take care of it for me. There's nothing like that. This is the eternal God. This is the one who never changes. His essence is always, has always been, will always be the same. His very nature is the same. He may change his mind. We read in Scripture that, that Abraham spoke to him, and at one point, something God planned to do was called off because of Abraham's bidding with him. But the truth is, God in his essence has never changed. He never will. And so in all of eternity, I think it seems logical to me that this desire, this plan, this goal of having a relationship with this very unique created person who shares something uniquely with God and can understand him and fellowship with him is something that has been an eternal, in part of the eternal nature and desire of God. We know there's something to that because we read later that even the plan of salvation was formed and in place even before the foundation of the world. So this very unique event is a centerpiece of creation. In fact, if you look at everything in all of Scripture, and if you look at all the parts of life that we live, there's nothing more astounding, nothing more astounding, than the fact that we were created with the nature and the image and the likeness of God within us, giving us the capacity to know him experientially, to experience the fellowship with him and be one with him. Now, if that is the case, and I, I'm asserting that it is, that God has, has done this and that's the most eventful thing he has ever done, it changes everything, then it ought to be important in us, for us to look at and become the lens through which we look at all the rest of reality. God made all the rest of it. He had his eternal purposes, even for things that are temporal. But all the things he made were made for his own reason. So if he made man, and that's the, the crescendo, is when he makes man, that becomes the lens through which we ought to look at all the rest of the world, all the rest of life, all the things we learn, and all the pieces of our lives. It means that we need to see those things through the lens of this relationship, this unique capacity to walk in fellowship and even in intimacy with God. Now, if that's the case, we need then to back up and define faith. If we're going to define everything else, we might as well define faith. That's what we're talking about. God experiences a kind of bond with Adam and Eve. You notice that God seeks them after he creates them and they have this capacity. He then walks into the garden and seeks them out. That's what he does with all of us. He seeks for us. And he has this bond with Adam and Eve that's different. That gives him pleasure. The 
pleasure of being with someone whose very consciousness has the capacity of experiencing his presence and his relationship, his fellowship, his kindness, his grace more completely and intimately than any other being that's ever been created. Now, if that's the case, then we need to start looking at everything that we learn. I have to tell you that when I discovered this thought many years ago, I began to re-examine everything I thought I knew. I look at sin, I look at salvation, I look at ministry, I look at human creativity, life and death, everything about reality, our jobs, our mundane things about life. All those things should become visible through the lens of my capacity to be in relationship with God. After all, if I am a perfect human being, if I am perfectly made, as say Adam was perfectly made, and he is pronounced as good, they're good, better, best with God. Everything's just good because our language, we have to say perfect. But if it's good, it means that it's functioning exactly as he planned. It fulfills the purpose for which it was created. So all the things that we know, all the things that we have gathered in our life, our understandings need to be re-examined. Now I've got a problem at that point because I have a worldview tells me that what is real is what science tells me is real. But when I look at my relationship with God and I begin to look at life and all the things I know and what I've been told, what I learned in college, whatever, I find that I have a conflict with that thought because something is born within me that looks beyond this life and this science. Ecclesiastes 3.11 spells it out and says that God has placed a sense of eternity in every human being. So when I was given this nature of God, the likeness of God in me, that brought alive my sense of the eternal. The eternal God shared something with himself. How could I not sense the eternal? So I draw a conclusion. I must look at all the whole of reality through that lens. The texture of everything I knew, the sense of what that means and all those things that I've experienced need to be seen through the lens of relationship with God. I want to look for a moment at 2 Peter 1.3 because it's very interesting here. Peter says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living in a godly life. He says, We have received all this by coming to know him. Now, I want to stop there because the word know, if we look at that through the lens of relationship, this is not about knowing something mental. This is about experiencing, a knowledge by experience. So read this again. We have received all of this by coming to experience him and experience perceptions of things through his eyes. The one who called us to himself, he, there he is, he's seeking us. He calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Now remember, the focus of this podcast is faith. So we're going to define faith through that lens. I hope that when this is fully defined, that you'll look back and say that has helped change your perception of faith. I want to share a modern-day parable of sorts that may add a great deal to our perception of this topic. When I was working many years ago in the bush country of New Guinea, I lived in 500 miles inland uh, in the interior in the Southern Highlands province, we traveled mostly by airplane in those early days because 
uh, truth is the roads were horrendous and even the, whatever car we had it, it took a beating as well as our kidneys took a beating every time we tried to travel sometimes we needed the car and we'd go out to someplace four or five hour drive but other times we just felt that that's not worth it and so we would take a flight we flew with missionary aviation fellowship uh, these little Cessna planes were just like uh, one cabin there's a two or three seats at the back uh, another and a second row and then there's the two seats in front where the pilot sits on the left and because I was usually one of the biggest guys I sat on the right the pilot has a column in front of him I had a column in front of me he has the control pedals at his feet and I had all the control pedals on my side of the cabin as well now theoretically you could fly the plane from that side of the plane but I always tried to figure out what things were going on. I had this idea, probably fairly foolish, but I always thought if this man faints, I'd like to at least keep this thing in the air until somebody tells me where I ought to crash it, or at least tells me how to land it, or or uh, however I should resolve the problem. But I, I so I'd ask questions. I would um, look at dials. I'd look at levers. I would look at lights and switches, and I would ask, what is that? What does that do? The pilot would always answer, never seemed to be impatient about it. And then one day in one of my flights, I happened to notice a dial off to his left. Not something I saw real easily, but in looking closely, I saw it. It was a round circle, very simple looking. And there was wings in the middle of this dial and a line that went across the circumference of the dial. And I asked him about it. He said, well, that's actually an altimeter indicator, but that's not what we call it. We call it the false horizon. I asked him what that meant. He says, well, look around you. You can't see the horizon of the earth. You get mountains and valleys. And even if you didn't have mountains and valleys, you're too far away from the, the ocean. You can't see that horizon. So he said, we can't see it, but this little line is calibrated to give us an exact sense of where the horizon of the earth would be. And so my job, he says, is to keep the plane aligned with the horizon of the earth. He then demonstrated by turning the column so he could guide the plane to make a left-hand turn. And, of course, the plane wings in that dial were no longer aligned. They raised away from the line until the turn was done. And then ah, what he did, he just simply began to adjust until, once again, the wings were in a line with the horizon. Now, I've got to tell you that when I, I was in New Guinea, I learned a lot. I'm so grateful that the changes that it made in my life, my perspective. I walked with men through the bush for hours. I've stayed in their homes, ate by their fires. I got to know them, and, and in some ways, they got to know me. And I feel like, that in many ways, they were my teachers. I benefited because I began to see life through a different lens, through a different culture, and I learned a lot, but I'll tell you that of all the things that I learned, that little dial was one of the most important things I encountered and had nothing to do with the culture. Because as I pondered that dial, it occurred to me as one day, that's what faith is. Faith is a life that we live aligned with God's character, his purpose, his nature, the nature that was within us. And that alignment is what we seek because we are to be one with him. We're to have a relationship with him. And so our life is to be aligned with our spiritual horizon. He never changes. He's always the same. We can rely on that. And through life, I'm going to hit turbulence. 
And so my job in the middle of turbulence is to seek to be aligned with the character and the grace of God. I may find times when I'm forced to make a turn in life and I may get a little concerned and I say, where, where, where can I level out? And I, I look back at the horizon and say, that's it. I can make the adjustments and come to a point where I'm aligned once again with the character and the purpose and the heart of God. That, my folks, is a picture of faith. As we walk through life, we think of faith sometimes as something we have. We think of something that we use like a tool. Someone say, you need to exercise your faith. Those are not illegitimate kind of concepts. They're genuinely meaningful things to say. But I'm here to say to you that to me, and I hope that you, that as you, as you listen and absorb what I'm saying here, that you'll come to see faith is not so much a thing we have or a thing that we use, but something that we experience. Everything about faith comes from God. Everything about faith is a gift from God, just like his nature that he planted within us. It's like the likeness we have. We didn't get that for any other reason. He just simply gave it to us. Faith is the same way. If I'm to understand the life of faith, I can't think of another thing that would match the view from the lens of relationship more than to say faith is more than something we use or have. It's rather something we experience as we walk with God, as we develop our intimacy with God, and we find our friendship with Him. Well, friends, we've come to the end of this episode. This is your host and teacher, Pastor Dennis Brown, reminding you that God loves you. Until next time, walk in faith and experience the wholeness of intimacy with Him. Thank you. God bless. I'm still searching for some